Uh, we greet you in the name of Christ. Well, today we're going to be looking at another one of life's problems, and uh, it's the problem of depression. And I'm kind of going through a, uh, a study where I just deal with some of the problems of life. And the last one we looked at was just inferiority. And so in some ways, I kind of feel like Lucy this morning as, as, uh, as she uh, listens to the problems of Charlie Brown. In saying that, I, I need to put three disclaimers up right up front. And the first is that I don't feel crabby like Lucy. <laughs> um, secondly is that uh, I'm no psychiatrist. So it would be better stated that the pastor is now in. <laughs> and thirdly, I have no intentions of diagnosing anyone's problems with this message. On a more serious note, it's estimated some, somewhere around 350 million people in this world suffer with the problem of depression. 11% of adolescents suffer from some kind of depression by the age of 18. And 16 million people in the U.S. suffered some episode of depression in 2012. So, so it's a rampant problem. Also, the annual cost in the U.S., it's estimated to be somewhere around $80 billion in this in, uh, as far as depression. Women are more than twice as likely to suffer depression as men. Men, the way they demonstrate depression is more through irritability, uh, working harder, anger, as far, and uh, substance and alcohol abuse. That's the way men demonstrate or you can kind of see there's depression problems. Women are more likely to slow down, to withdraw, and just blame themselves. And again, it affects Christians and non-Christians alike. It's something that I have a first-hand knowledge of. I've worked, had to work through a problem of depression. I've watched my mom struggle with depression for just a number of years. And... Uh, and I had a nephew uh, that we knew had some problems with depression, especially as a teenager. We thought he kind of got over it, but uh, he went on, he went to college, uh, got a good job, excellent job, was doing very well financially. But what we didn't know that his problems of depression had just gotten worse. In fact, they were so bad that he took a week off of work. He began to research suicide online and uh, he uh, in spite of, of uh, a, uh, another guy that lived with him who encouraged him to go see a doctor he didn't do that he uh, went to the local hardware store and he bought a rope and he came home and he took his life it's probably one of the most gut-wrenching things that we ever went through as a family of having to deal with a situation like that. So um, there are several reasons why I think it's so important as a church that we deal with some of these real life issues. First of all, it's, it's how we stay relevant as a church and how we stay real is dealing with real life problems. Secondly, 
I think it's important that we give hope to anyone who struggles with depression that there's healing and full recovery. Thirdly, I want to give some of you who don't struggle with it some practical ways to help those who help someone who's going through it, how to minister to them through that time. I think it's important that you have some tools. And the tools that I'm going to show you, I want you to simply watch God as God ministers to someone going through depression. In this study, we're going to be looking at the lives of three men. This morning, we're only going to take one of those men. And uh, they were men of God. They, had, uh, they were walked with God. They were used in a great way of God, uh, by God. But we can see clearly that they struggled with depression. We're going to be able to identify that. We're going to see in their lives the things which contributed to depression. We're going to see physical reasons that contributed to the depression. We're also going to see that there are some emotional reasons that contributed to the depression as well as spiritual factors that came in and contributed to the depression. The first uh, individual we're going to be looking at is Moses. It's found in Numbers 11. And I want to kind of give you the context in which this was all written. Moses had led the children of Israel out of captivity. And uh, he, they had, the children of Israel had watched miracle after miracle of God. They had watched the plagues in Egypt. They had watched the Red Sea divided and walk through on dry ground. They had seen uh, the, the cloud by day, the fire by night. Miracles in that time were as easy as opening your eyes. They saw miracles every day. They saw the manna from heaven, which the psalmist calls the bread of heaven. But do you think they were thankful? No way. They griped and complained about everything. They griped about the water. They claimed it was bitter. They griped about the wilderness, how it was rugged and desolate, and they complained where they had to walk. They griped about the enemy. They were their, their giants. We just, we can't overcome these people. They complained about their future. And worst of all, they longed to go back to Egypt. They longed to have the fish and the melons, the leeks and the cucumbers and the garlic. You know things are bad when you start longing for garlic, onions, and leeks. So here in verse, verse, verse 10, we're going to jump in. And here's Moses in the midst of this. It says in verse 10 of the chapter 11 of Numbers, it says, And Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses also was displeased. I mean, it broke the heart of Moses. Moses became upset and depressed. We're going to see that. Verse 11, And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people on me? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth a suckling child? 
unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? Whence should I have flesh to give up to all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, give, give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, for they are too heavy for me. And notice what he says, and, thus, and deal thus with me, kill me. Moses says, I've had enough. I quit. I'm finished. This is hopeless. I'm resigning. Take my life. I'm through. You ever said that? I'm just finished. And then notice what he says. I pray thee out of, out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. Moses was clearly depressed. Why was Moses depressed? Well, there's some underlying reasons why Moses was depressed. Notice of all, first of all, the physical reason. The physical reason is simply Moses was exhausted. Moses was trying to do everything himself. Moses had never learned the art of delegation. Delegating responsibility. And like so many here who have that gift of leadership, he thought he needed to do everything himself. And there's something I think is so important for all of you to understand who have that gift of leadership. That is, all of us have limitations. God has never called any of us to do everything. Why do, how do we know that? Well, look at verse 16. Verse 16, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and the officers of officers of them and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with thee and I will come down and talk with thee there and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and I will put it upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee that thou bear it not it not thyself alone God's intent was never for Moses to do everything himself. God tells Moses, pick 70 people and I will give them the same spirit I gave you and they will bear the burden of the people. But you see, this has been an ongoing problem in the life of Moses. This is not the first time that Moses has been down Workaholic Avenue. In Exodus 18, we notice the same thing. Notice what it says, verse 13. Uh, the context is the father-in-law of Moses comes to visit, and he sits down and he observes Moses' life. He just watches what Moses does in a day's time. Verse 13, it says, It came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from morning until evening. Can you imagine that? Listening to people problems from sun up to sundown. We'd all be pulling our hair out. 
And notice what it says. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand before thee from morning until evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people have come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou shalt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. You're going to wear out. You can't do this yourself. And so Jethro gives Moses some good advice. Notice what he says in verse 19. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them the ordinances and laws, and shalt shew them the way whereunto they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide all, out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetous, covetousness, and place over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee but every small matter they shall judge, so it shall be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. And so Moses hearkened unto the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them the, the leaders. I'm sorry, I'm not keeping up with this, this PowerPoint. So Moses hearkened unto the voice of his father and did all that he had said. And that Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them the heads of over all the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. And they judged the people all seasons, the hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. So Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. I mean, so this is not the first time Moses has attempted to do everything himself. This is one of the downfalls of those of you who have that gift of leadership, of uh, just thinking that you have to do everything yourself. Um, so Moses, he's just, he's just worn out. But there's another problem that Moses has, and that has, he has an emotional problem as well. You'll see it in verse 15. Notice it says, if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight. And then notice the words, and let me not see my wretchedness. I would like to suggest that Moses had an inferiority complex. Moses... Uh, says, this is too big for me. I can't ever pull this off. He looked at himself rather than looking at God. And uh, 
he can't, he said, you know, he looked at the, the people and he said, I just can't stand the mess I've made out of everything. There's something here that uh, I wish every leader would understand. And that is Moses took upon him something that wasn't his to bear. That is, he took upon himself personally the actions of the people. That wasn't his to bear. And he felt like a failure. I'd like you to hear the words of J. Oswald Sanders. He writes, Moses overlooked the fact that God made us responsible for our own perfections, not that of others. A number of years ago, I... uh, I had worked, worked with an individual for quite a number of years, and we had developed a relationship. He was not saved. He was clearly lost. And uh, through the con- some, some act, uh, our relationship, I put the offer in front of him one time. Why don't you allow me to show you who God is? And so um, he agreed to that. For a number of months, we met uh, every week, and I took him down the Roman road. I showed him his sin. I showed him his need of a savior. And I know it showed him the supply. I took him through the first eight chapters of Romans. He began attending a church. And uh, for some reason or another, he developed a personality conflict with another individual in the church. And he stopped going to church. In spite of all my admonition and all my encouragement, he stopped going to church. And I took it personal. I took it personal because I felt it reflected upon me. And it wasn't until I re- kind of heard five words from God that is, He is not your servant, He's mine. So you can imagine how Moses must have felt with all these, there were several million people and the mess they had made, longing for the wrong things, complaining about the manna, how he must have felt and uh, especially with the inferiority complex that he had, how he must have felt like a failure. It was depressing. And in spite of Moses, I mean, Moses had worked himself to the bone. He was tired. He was weary. There's also a spiritual reason that Moses was depressed. Notice what it says in verse 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight that thou shouldest lay the burden of all this people upon me? I mean, Moses is asking, God, what have you got against me that you're, they're putting all this people, you're laying this on me? What did I do deserve this? Haven't you ever asked that when you're going through some really hard times? God, what what did I do that that you would do this to me? I mean, look at everybody else. I live with some turkeys, and they're not going through this. Look at what I'm going through. Why do I always get the dirty work? 
You ever ask the question? You see, hard times uh, bring about that. I would like to suggest Moses felt really distant from God. Moses felt like God had just dumped all these people upon him, and he went on vacation. You know, when you go through a lot of hard times and a lot of emotional suffering, it's easy to start imagining some things about God. That God doesn't care. Uh, Maybe God has something against me. He's picking on me. Uh, Maybe he doesn't love me. It's easy to start imagining some things. But I want you to know that wasn't that wasn't how God felt at all. We can see it in the next verse. Verse 16, it says, And the Lord God said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders, and that whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and of the officers of them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand with thee. God hadn't checked out at all. God still cared. God tells Moses, wait a minute, step aside. I want you to relax. I got 70 men. I want you to take over the load. You know, in a place of employment, if it takes, if you happen to go to another job and it takes two or three men to replace you, you're considered amazing. Imagine having 70 men take over your workload. Does that give you any indication what kind of a workaholic Moses was? I mean, Moses was so busy that he didn't even have time to spend with God. We're going to spread out your work, Moses. This is what God told him. You know, when the disciples came back from preaching, Jesus didn't tell them, it's time for you to have some revival meetings now. Or it's time to have some testimony meetings. No. Jesus told his disciples, it's time for you to come apart and to rest. I like what Vince Havner once said. He said, if you don't come apart, you will come apart. (laughs) Allow me to take this and to apply it for you. The first thought I want you to understand, something that I want you to understand is that depression is not sin. It's a symptom. Our response in depression or when we're going through depression may or may not be sin. But the depression itself is not sin. Depression is a symptom that gives a symptom of a deeper underlying problem. Spiritual could be a physical problem, could be too much physical stress, it could be too much, could be an emotional problem, or it could be a spiritual problem. Secondly, get plenty of rest, take time to relax and to laugh. 
Solomon writes, A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Isn't that so true? Some of the best moments are spent laughing with friends. It's how you feel rejuvenated to face life again, um, to meet some challenges. It's just taking time off to relax. Stop taking yourself so serious. Thirdly, delegate responsibility. Give others around you some assignments to ease your load. God has not, God has never, uh, it's never been God's will that we do everything ourselves, carry all the load ourselves. Stop thinking that everything depends upon you. My goodness, the world is going to be spending a long time after all of us are gone. So there's plenty of others who can do the job that you're doing and can do it just as well. Stop thinking that it all depends on you. Fourth, rest on the shoulders of others. Take time draw others close to you. For Moses, it was 70 men who he needed to, to just lean on, to rest on. That's why we, it's important, a church is so important. When you go through some hard times in life, that you, uh, go th- that you can draw others close to you and you can lean on these people. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians, bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfill ye the law of Christ. It's how you fill up God's law by learning to lift someone else's burden. In order for this to work, there has to be somebody who leans on you and there has to be somebody that's lifting. And those positions change from time to time. As you go through tough times, we'll pick you up. And when I go through tough times, you pick me up. But for it to work, You have to get close. That's why it's important that a church is a close church, that we are involved in each other's lives. I want to close this morning's message with the words of Lucy. That'll be five cents, please. (laughs) Let's pray. Fathers, we just bow before you. We are so grateful that as we look into the scriptures that we can find encouragement and we can find hope. Lord, we're grateful that for a church family that you, you give us and who loves us, who is really the Jesus with skin. We're grateful, Father, for, uh, for the hard times you take us through, not not to destroy us, but to shape us, to take off our rough edges, to help us face our fears, and to help us really live. Thank you, Father, what you will do with this message, with this word. May it go forth and may it not return void. Thank you, Father, for the grace and the power and the strength that is in you. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.